You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. So as I said earlier on, I wanted to take an opportunity today to, to share a bit of an overview explaining why we're an elder-led church, why elders are appointed, and what they're called by God to do, and how each of us, each of us as members here, can best support our elders here at Liberty Family Church as they faithfully follow and serve God and encourage us to faithfully follow and serve God too. How does that sound? Like music to your ears. Great. Well, let's pray as we open God's Word together and, and reflect on His heart for eldership and His heart for His church. Let's pray. God, we, we just want to celebrate you today, Jesus. We celebrate you for all the ways that you are alive and at work in the world. God, it's, it, at times we can see this world as being just dark and gloomy, but God, we know that where there's darkness... Your light, you are the light of the world and you shine all the more brightly. And so, God, we, we thank you for all the ways that you're at work globally and locally in our local church in this region. And, God, I pray today that as we reflect on your heart for eldership and draw out and look at what Scripture says elders are to do, are to be, and how we can best support those who are leaders uh, set aside by you to be leaders in our community, we pray, God, that you would work in our hearts, that you would stir us up, that we would be more, even more in love with Jesus and this church would continue to flourish as we all play our part in this regard. So Jesus, have your way this morning. May you speak through me and may we hear what you want to say today. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you read any of Paul's letters throughout the New Testament, you'll see time and time and time again that he encourages churches to appoint elders. He provides detailed guidelines around who to appoint as elders and he directly addresses and encourages elders in their eldering work. In Titus 1.5, for example, Paul encourages Titus to appoint elders in each of the church communities that were growing throughout all the regions in Crete. He writes... This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and what? Appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Do you see that? Appoint elders in every town. And if you think about what Paul was doing, what was Paul's main work for the gospel? It was the, the, the moving out into new places and establishing churches as God kind of lit a fire he, it was his role to, to fuel that and then to put in place certain structures that would help the growth and the health of those communities, yeah? And so that's exactly what happens here. Paul was saying to appoint elders in every town, in every church community, and that is God's heart, that his churches would be led by godly leaders called elders. And then he continues with some pretty clear and... I know, for me, as an elder, reading it, pretty sobering guidelines on what to look for in an elder, reading from verse 6 through 9. He writes, If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, 
For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So those clear guidelines in Titus are then kind of in some ways mirrored or, or backed up by others. Paul shares with Timothy in 1 Timothy 3, 1 to 7. He writes this, The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. There's a lot in there. You could spend weeks drawing out what all of that means. But in a nutshell, what we see here is elders are not just to be anyone. Yeah? Not just people who are kind-hearted and and willing to help out, but people who are spiritually mature, spirit-led, above reproach, people who are well thought of. Isn't Isn't it fascinating? People who are well thought of not only within the church but also by outsiders, those outside of a church community. In Acts 20, verse 28, Paul directly addresses elders, encouraging them to do this. He writes, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Friends, this is a great scripture notice who actually appoints elders holy spirit it's god who appoints elders not man obviously peter and i were for for an extended period of time we were waiting on god together we were waiting on god we were praying we were seeking we were asking him to show us the people that he wanted to step up as elders in this local church community but ultimately While we are obedient to God and sought out Jerry and went on a journey with him, it's actually Holy Spirit who made that appointment. It's Holy Spirit who gave Jerry the peace to step into that role. And we praise God that he did. In Acts 20 verse 28, it also gives us insight into the function of the role of elder. What what are elders to do as set apart Holy Spirit appointed spiritual leaders in a local church community? Well, fundamentally, elders are to care as overseers for the church of God, to care for the flock, so to speak, as shepherds. Now, in our our modern day society, not many of us spend our days looking after livestock, do we? And this analogy as a result of that can kind of get lost on us a little, yeah? Why shepherds and Maybe some of us even think, surely Paul's not suggesting that we're all sheep, is he? Well, he is. He is, actually. And if you consider what Scripture says about God's heart 
for those tasked with leading his people and then also how all of us grow best in a spiritual sense, it's actually a, a profoundly brilliant metaphor to use. As Jeremy Rin, he's the senior pastor of Sanibel Community Church in the US, he says this, he says, both the Old and New Testaments repeatedly employ the metaphor of shepherding to describe the spiritual leadership of God's people. Not surprisingly, the New Testament views elders as shepherds as well. The elders' mission is to lead, teach, protect and love their church members the way shepherds care for the sheep in a flock so that the church members will grow up into spiritual maturity. That is, a, that is a really good summary. This is what elders are appointed by God and called by God to do, to care for the sheep, for the good of the individual sheep, but also for the good of the collective church, the flock, as Scripture calls it. And you might be thinking, okay, well, how does God expect that such a shepherd would care for sheep? Well, kindly, willingly, you know, in such a way that they actually provide an example of the faith to others. As 1 Peter 5, 1 to 4 says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Here it is. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Now, here's a really important point here. No elder is perfect. Let's be, let's be abundantly clear on that. Does Peter, do I, will Jerry ever perfectly live up to all those requirements that we've just looked at before? Not at all. None of us ever will all the time. But here's the thing. Leading by example isn't only leading in all the positive ways, but also in leading in repentance leading in making things right when we've hurt someone or when we've handled something in a not-so-great way. That's leadership as well. That's leading as an example because, no doubt, at one point or another, we probably will fall short from time to time. And I know I have many times over the years. All elders everywhere should be committed to serving as an example in that way as well, in humble, repentant leadership of making things right when we say a harsh word or making things right when we've unintentionally hurt someone else, yeah? Would you agree with that? Elders are to care for God's church. That's the foundational thing, hence the, the title of today's message. Elders are to care for God's church. Okay, here's the, the second insight about elders from Scripture. Elders are pastors. Elders are pastors. Robert H. Thune, he unpacks and explains this well in his book, Gospel Eldership. He writes, an elder is a pastor. Many of us only apply the title of pastor to those in full-time ministry, but in the Bible, the terms elder, presbyteros, pastor, poiamen, and bishop, episkopos, 
are used interchangeably to refer to the same person or group of people. You can check out those scriptures, for example. Some elders may serve the church full-time, those we normally title pastor, while other elders may serve as lay volunteers. But biblically speaking, elders are pastors and pastors are elders. You know, practically, I serve our community as an elder and as a full-time pastor. And Jerry and Peter both now serve with me as elders and also as pastors responsible, like me, to care for and spiritually shepherd this church community on God's behalf. Does that make sense? Okay. So elders are pastors. And, and here's a further insight to that that I've kind of touched on. And it's this. It's elders are plural. Elders are plural. Let me say this really straight. No church should ever be led by one person alone. No church should ever be led by even a husband and wife team alone. It just shouldn't happen. You can't justify such a structure from Scripture. You just can't. And honestly, honestly, I put this out there, maybe watching online or something from other church communities, I think, personally, this is my personal view, I think you should think twice about committing to a church that is led by one person or even by a husband and wife who have absolute power and authority alone. A lot goes wrong when the great responsibility of leadership, and it is a great responsibility, it's no small thing, is not shared. And we've seen this in recent examples in Australia, quite a large church, and other examples through the US and all around the world as well. Churches, according to God's word, this is not my view, this is what... Scripture clearly says, are to be governed by multiple elders. Not one, but multiple elders. We saw that before in some of the scriptures we look at. Here's another example from Acts 20, verse 17. Paul writes, um, Now from Miletus, he, Paul, sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. Notice that? It's not elder, elders. More than one. God's heart is that each local church community is governed, cared for, looked after, nourished by a team of elders who can lead and shepherd the community together. Yeah? Why? Why is God's heart in this kind of setup? Why is this good news for his church? Well, pretty simple. Only Jesus is ever completely perfect and good and pure in all his actions every single time, in all his decision-making. One elder is simply not. One elder is fallible, yeah? Accountability to others is not only helpful, but it's essential to the health of a local church and is really required for a healthy leadership team. Think about it. What does Scripture say a healthy local church functions like? A body made up of one member? No, many members. And it's exactly the same thing applies in an eldership. In a, in a team of elders, having a team ensures that there's a diverse range of spiritual gifts, life experiences, professional capacities, um, different people with different things on the journey. 
complementary abilities and even differing viewpoints on different things, as iron sharpens iron, you know, that kind of thing. That can ensure that whatever course of action is decided upon as waiting on God and inviting him to guide and give us wisdom, that it will be well considered and will actually go through multiple filters, yeah? I can't tell you the number of times, and, and I'm speaking generally. I, I chat with many pastors from our denomination and elsewhere. I can't tell you of the number of times that churches have made, have, sorry, avoided making catastrophic mistakes. Literally, churches folding and being no more simply because there was not just one person with the ultimate authority, but there were multiple people with under Jesus authority delegated from him. Yeah? Because not only are not only are a team of elders accountable to God, but they're also accountable to one another as well. Because leading a spiritual community is no small or easy task. And for me, I'm so glad that we've got a team of elders working together for God's glory and good of our community here in Hillsville. All right. So three, elders are plural. plural. And here's another. Elders should teach. Now, different churches see this differently. For us here, we see teaching as being exercised in a range of different ways. Could be mentoring someone, guiding them to think biblically about the things of life, to, to consider how they have a role to play in ushering in the kingdom of God right here where they are. Or just one-on-one kind of catch-ups, growing, reading scripture together. Maybe it's in effectively leading a connect group, a smaller group that meet throughout the week, or running a seminar on a certain theological topic or preaching in a church context like I am today. I, I just, I, I'm just so grateful that God has blessed us with elders here who can do those things well and elders who, are, who don't think they've arrived as well. Elders who are genuinely lifelong learners, people who long to continue to grow and invest and be closer to Jesus each and every day. Yeah? That is a real blessing and it's, um, it's a good thing that God's doing in our community. So four, elders should teach. And here's the next one. Elders must lead. Now, this is something that often doesn't go too, down too well in our society. Perhaps it's because we're Aussies. In fact, I know it's because we're Aussies. In our Australian society, we have an unhealthy suspicion of anyone who holds a leadership position in any capacity, and then couple that with we've got generally an unwillingness to submit to anyone else at all, yeah? We're, we're so often, we, we look at someone in a position of power and think, oh, there must be something up with them, or, and then we think, hey, I'm, I'm number one. I don't want to submit to anyone else. I don't want anyone else telling me what to do or, or even saying that what I, the way I'm viewing something might not necessarily be the most accurate way. I, I don't want that at all. I don't want to submit to that, Yeah? We don't like that in Australia. But you read through all the New Testament and implicit in the function and responsibility of an overseer is a measure of authority, isn't it? It's not unquestionable authority, not at all, not at all. A healthy eldership team should always be open to feedback and we absolutely are. We welcome your feedback anytime at all. 
And while especially as Aussies, we're not naturally so keen to submit to anyone, if we read Hebrews, we discover that that is actually what every single one of us are expected by God to do. Hebrews 13, verse 17 says this. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls, as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Do you notice why we're to submit to our leaders and obey them? Because it's a conditional statement. Because they are keeping watch over our souls and will have to give an account to God for how they've gone about shepherding us. Now, don't run away now, Jerry. <laughs> You've already been set apart for the role. Seriously, though, scripture, scripture makes it really clear. You know, like we read before, an elder should not elder under compulsion. No one should be an elder just to fill a role. It's not a role to be taken lightly. Scripture's clear. It's no small responsibility. Elders are going to be judged to a higher level due to the nature of their service role in a local church. That's just it. That's what Scripture says. Okay, here's a final one on elders before we wrap up. And I've touched on this already. Elders are not Jesus. If I haven't already nailed this, let's make it super, super clear. No elder is Jesus. No elder is perfect. No leader in a church context is perfect. No matter how they may appear to have it all together and whatever, none of us are perfect. Elders, like all of us, are sinful, fallen human beings. No elder is Jesus. 1 Peter 5.4 says this, to encourage elders as they go about their weighty task of shepherding people and leading local churches. It says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Who's the chief shepherd? Jesus. Jesus is the chief shepherd. Elders are simply his temporary helpers, really. As Jeremy Wren explained, at their best, elders model Jesus' character, teach Jesus' word, and lead the church by pointing it towards Jesus and his mission. Good elders never lose that awareness that they themselves are still sheep, utterly dependent on the grace of the good shepherd. In case you haven't got this by now, I want to make this really, really clear. I, I think I've kind of hinted at it as I've, as I've shared, tried to be very vulnerable with you over my years as pastor here, but I am far from perfect. I am far from perfect. I'm still very much, and let me tell you, I will always be a sheep who is utterly dependent on the grace of the Good Shepherd. And let me tell you, this is true for Jerry as well. Jerry will be the first to admit it. It's true for Peter. He'll be quick to acknowledge this to be true as well. Each of us are like each of you, still sheep who attempted to go astray, still at times like sheep without a shepherd. You know, we're not perfect. We're not perfect at all. We are still sheep who are utterly dependent each and every day, each and every moment on the grace of the good shepherd. 
And in light of all this, what I've just shared, all the insights into God's heart for eldership and how his local churches are to be governed, we need your support. We need your support. Like, really need your support. We need to lean into God. Like, obviously, you know, if, if you respond to the call of eldership, God's right there. His spirit is empowering you each step of the way. Absolutely. And we need to lean into God for strength and wisdom and courage. But we need your support and encouragement if any of us are going to do well in our role as elders here. Leadership in any capacity, public space, in the church, but I'd say especially in the church context, can be super tough and desperately lonely. Super tough and desperately lonely. We need your support and encouragement more than you'd think. So how can you encourage us? Really simple ways. As we committed to earlier with Jerry, we, we would encourage you, we would ask that you would please pray for us regularly. Please pray for us regularly. Take the time to encourage us regularly. You mightn't realise, but often people in church leadership only hear feedback that's pear-shaped, you know? That's when things go bad. That's when they get feedback. Not when things are going well or there's something that they might have led you in or encouraged you in or you noticed the way they handled a certain situation. We don't necessarily hear that sort of feedback. We just hear things when things go wrong. If you see Jerry doing something wonderful in the weeks and months ahead, let him know. Take the time to let him know. Your encouragement, just as it does when we encourage one another as members of God's church, it will spur him on to continue to serve, to continue to invest in our church community as God leads him to with joy. Please, please pray for us. Please, please encourage us. We long to, as Hebrews 13, 17 says, we long to faithfully keep watch over your souls and to do so with joy. Friends, as we close our time in God's word today, I just want to ask anyone who would like to, to come forward and pray for the three of us as elders. Um, Jerry and Peter, maybe you'd like to come forward and I know I speak for Jerry and Peter when, when I say that we would love right now at the start, so to speak, of 2024, because who knows, nothing really starts in January. It's always February when things start. To be set apart for God's purposes this year, for his glory, for your good, and for the good of Liberty Family Church. So who'd like to, to come up now and, and pray for us as elders in this community?